Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 100 of the Archaeologist Podcast, a show where we discuss everything and anything that has to do with Ark Survival Evolved. I'm your host, Sean D. Knight, and with me are a number of players that are here to offer their insights and opinions on the latest topics, strategies, and upcoming features or patches. As I call it our participants for tonight, say hello to the listeners and how many hours you have in Ark. Rico! Howdy, y'all. I know how many hours I have, but Steam forgot that my game's installed, and I haven't had time to verify the files again. <laughs> and leg day. I have amazing news. I have officially entered the 4K club. After teasing about it for 20 episodes, I am finally there, baby, at 4,001. Looks hours. like you made it. Now, to you be foreshadow fair, things more than one piece. That's that, that's a challenge. <laughs> 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 to be fair, I, I really think it was the last 10 hours I was on Join Sim um, over the weekend that pushed me. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that doesn't count at all. <laughs> hey, counts count, to me. It's on the, uh, counts, uh, counts on the uh, screen. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Wildcard has released a mysterious mysteries image of a new creature for the game's Extinction DLC. Additional changes to the Code of Conduct addresses the cock issue, and we offer our final thoughts on Ark Survival Evolved and Wildcard Studios. But before we get to all that, let's hit up the YouTube comments. Kibernika Wolfboy writes, I could say a lot of things need to be changed about Ark to the items you can carry, to the player stats, to the dino stats, etc., etc., Arc does need a redesign, a little overhaul of the engine itself. The reason why I say this is because they add so much code in line to the problem that they have to slap band-aids all over this game instead of taking the existing code right. Uh, right now, have a separate team making a redesign and overhaul the game like Seven Days to Die just did a few months ago and start from scratch. Oh, really? I'm going to have to check that out again. But Seven Days to Die, I didn't know they had done an engine overhaul. So we'll never see you again. That, that no, means... no, I mean, it's a zombie game. I can only play that for so long. But he's absolutely right about the problem. Oh, yeah. That, that, it's been in beta for years. And that, that game's been out for a while, right? Oh, it was also, in alpha. It went into beta. It, it's gone through a lot of uh, iterations. But it's yeah, not what's... sold itself off as a finished product. Yeah, I never no, not for, played uh, it. I, I, don't think it, I think it's still uh, classified as early access. And they're still actively working on it, so... Yeah, right I guess on. that's what I meant. It's been an early access for years. I, I never played it, but it looks really fun. And I watched uh, the Neves Gaming uh, version of it on YouTube. Uh, it's a little <laughs> bit. We- uh, it was always a little bit weird because the it's voxel construction, but yeah. they keep on trying to make it less and less less and less voxel based. So yeah, I don't think that would ever. Well, like it has terrain deformation too, which I think would just destroy servers. Oh, it, it's uh, it, it's massively uh, damaging to your frame rate. Everyone would just tunnel under everyone's base. Uh, the thing is, <laughs> trying to tunnel for, like, if you don't use the drill, it takes forever. If you use the drill, you're going to get swarmed. I, I guess I was just thinking, like, if Ark had voxel deformation, how bad it would work out. Oh, it'd be horrible. Everyone would be tunneling under everything because they'd, uh, they'd give us an ionic disruptor that, tu- that tunnels hundreds of cubes at once. Takes I don't know. I think they'd still undermesh. <laughs> It'd be underbeshing <laughs> in the game as a game again. Guess what it would be. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Next generation gaming rights. My question to the turret design is: How is this different than putting turrets on large hatch frames? Don't they also have no bl- blind spots? They also seem far easier to set up. Is there anything about hatch frames that either causes issues or that you guys take issue with? And he's talking about the uh, des- turret design we talked about in last week's episode, where um. Well, he's he's right. I don't know if it necessarily had an advantage. In fact, it probably has a disadvantage because you're you're making it so that you're not shooting out in front of your base, so easier chance for things to get behind um, 
to get close before they get blowed up. But for me, the primary advantage was cosmetic. I hate hatch frame turrets. I hate that that's the current meta. I think it's ridiculous. See, I wish they'd for, patch it out. For me, it was the fact that they worked as an exterior, but also an interior defense. So if the raid offline and offline raider were hitting your base, well, you know, they go through one side of the base and then that's it. If you had a couple interior turrets for defense, you know, yeah. laid out everywhere, they'd quickly take those out. But the fact that these turrets will redirect themselves into your base and shoot at the raider means that it forces the raider to um, be really fast in disabling them by finding the generator or having to tank those turrets even as well before they can actually have free reign of your base. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, every time all these big battles have been going on over the weekend, it's always been a matter of popping the box that's in the middle of the base and getting inside. And once you're inside, it's over because nothing's bothering to shoot at you because nobody likes to waste turret count on interior turrets anymore. Exactly. So this kind of addresses the situation of, you know, the 100 turret limit, but giving yourself the ability to at least have more turrets to protect the inside of your base as well without diminishing the amount you can have protecting the exterior. Uh, he goes on to write, So I got another idea for discussion. When I was on that Crystal Isle server I mentioned, I was able to tame and ride my first griffin. It took me a while to learn how to fly properly, but once I did, I had a blast with it. It was an interesting change having the way I fly, and the skill involved directly impacted how fast I get to my destination, as well as adding multiple different layers to the skill involved in combat. I still was, think the griffin's one of the funnest flyers. They are, yeah. It was much more fun than the standard hold W and watch your stamina until you reach your destination. So my question is, should Wildcard add this type of flight to other flyers such as Tyranodons, Wyverns, and maybe even Argents? There were calls for that, uh, for adding a glide mechanic to everybody. Mm -hmm. And um, I think one of the reasons that got shot down is it would take away some of the uniqueness of the Griffin. I just think the flying needs to be overhauled in general because the Griffin's the closest to flying like an animal. It still doesn't really fly like an animal. So like every time, fly like an eagle. If you stop getting enough forward momentum, you start going down, right? Yeah, very few creatures can hover, and even those that can, very few can do it for long periods of time. I seriously doubt in the real world the Quetzals are able to hover with stuff on their back. What? Just I saying. think they could. Dude, Some the, people... the size of those things—they couldn't hold the things on their back and break their spine. I mean, I remember reading about them, and some people weren't even sure they could fly. Unbeknownst to you guys, their spines and their bone structure was made of adamantium, so yes, they could carry anything. Which would make them heavier and they were unable to fly. See, that's, well, that's the why they had the that's big why... wings. Duh! With, with The thing is, to get that, mu that much... That much... <laughs> if you want to try and make something that big fly, you've got to lower its mass. That usually yeah. involves hollowing the... Uh, hollow or that's why they bones. Have, that's why birds have hollow bones, I know. <laughs> Uh, he goes on to write for his suggestion. For terrors, it can make their barrel roll less of a transportation move and more of a combat move, as transportation would be handled more by the flight mechanics. The barrel roll could also get a large bonus to its damage, dependent on the current speed. For wyverns and argies, it would probably only be for the speed, not really adding any combat multipliers. I cannot see this being added to Quetzals for obvious reasons, and I think the tapa should be where it is currently at, being aimed more at being agile and nimble rather than speed. I also can't see this being added to the moth. Oh. <laughs> Why so, does so maybe, the moth not get any love? Maybe one reason they should re-examine um, this issue is with everything speed capped, I really think flying is kind of boring. Yeah. I think this would add some variation, make chases a little bit more interesting. Yeah. So. This 
is true. All right, uh, let's move on to threads and tweets. So, Rico, you I think you pointed this out to me, but Valve recently showcased, um, I think it was at the Games Developer Conference this year, their approach to DDoS attacks. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was me that posted that link, and that, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't think Arc implements, I think they have their own architecture as far as I know. I don't think they're going through Steam to handle their multiplayer data pathing, but um, man, there's some lessons to be learned there. Anything in specific comes to your mind? Well, in a nutshell, it's just a matter of setting up proxy servers that you're connecting to as opposed to having people connect to the IP address of the actual server. Mm-hmm. And the proxy servers basically handle, um, they're kind of like the front door handling the D. If the proxy gets DDoSed, everyone just connects to another proxy. And you don't have to re-IP address the server behind it. At least that's how I, I might be oversimplifying it, but that's how I interpret it. Well, that seems like the only viable way of doing it. The only problem is that most proxies, uh, that almost every proxy server design I've ever seen, if you were to to DDoS one after another, eventually you'd get to the, you know, you'd get to the building. Well, that was the genius of it, is I don't think the proxy servers were co-located with the actual servers. They were actually regionally located. And one of the side effects, if you watch the presentation, is that they actually reduce ping times by doing this. Because that was the first criticism. People said, well, you're going to put more stuff in between the player and the server. That's going to make things worse. But it turns out because they control the backbone connection between the server and the proxy, um, you're basically fast-laning them back to the server once they get to the proxy. And the proxy is closer to the player normally because they got more proxies spread out around the Earth. What what yeah. I mean is that even if they're spread out, the system would be basically if if the closest proxy to you went down, it would redirect you to another proxy. Eventually, there's a limit to the number of proxy servers you have, unless you have a system continuously developing basically dummy ones, which I don't know how you would do. They touched on that. They actually did touch on that. He he touched on the the capacity, the bandwidth capacity, of the servers and the proxies and the kind of attacks. The amount of bandwidth the, the kinds of attacks take up, so it's interesting. You should you should. Uh, well, I'm watch guessing it the, the goal is to make it, you know, just it, not worth the practical. Effort. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. You, you're making it not worth. You're gonna have a botnet so huge. Which, um, because we're not we're be talking. Practical. I mean, the fact is that will work for a system like this. Where, I mean, there is a limit to the. I mean. <laughs> We we often think of how far gamers are willing to go for things, but there actually is a practical limit. At the point where it would become more efficient to do something else. He, he actually he's talked about the cost benefit. Like he said, the payoff. He described it as, you know, the payoff for DDoSing a game for a hacker is really good because he gets a lot of enjoyment out of it. But if you make it such a pain in the butt, then it's no longer as fun. Um, it's not even I, about fun. Most people, they're doing it because they think it'll give them the edge. If it's not going to give them the edge, if there's another way to get the edge that's more efficient... The gamers Game who aren't just in it for basically trolling purposes, the ones that are doing it to just annoy people, it won't. Th- this will uh, only slow them down so much. They they might step up to the challenge anyways. But most of it's going to be about DDoSing for tactical purposes because people are you know unethical about winning. Well, not he made only a... that, wouldn't this uh, make it more difficult to for these hackers to sell their DDoSing tools to just the regular Joe Schmo out there who's willing to put $15, $20 to take down a server? It depends for... on if they understand how much com- more complicated it is. It mm-hmm. might make it easier to sell, uh, sell it, but then the people buying it who barely know what they're doing won't be able to do anything, which right. I think is a great thing because it 
makes them waste their money on being stupid. The, the presenter talked about that as well, and he made a pretty bold claim. He said that for people using the Steam infrastructure, DDoSing hasn't really been an issue since 2016 because of these changes, which I thought was interesting. Um, but he also said that he didn't completely take credit for it. Um, he said that part of the reason that they think it's dropped off is because law enforcement has gone after the people selling or doing these major yeah. attacks. Yeah, or you have uh, developers like Riot Games going straight after these guys who are making them happen or be available at, at all. So it's a it's a it's good, interesting talk. If you're into that kind of thing, if you're into networking um, architecture, I recommend it. Um, it's kind of it was fun to watch for me because yeah. I'm a dork. <laughs> all right, so uh, Silent Ddot asks. Solo official servers and rights. Can you guys make official solo players servers, please? I just know you have seen all the people asking for it or even talking amongst themselves about it. And if you don't think the mechanics of it will work, tell me why, and I'll gladly explain how they can work very effectively. Thank you, Love Art, so much. It's my favorite game of all time. Okay, if you had a solution, you would have said it in your post. Let's. Oh, I, I don't understand what right he's there. asking exactly. Tribe ones of tribeless. Server official servers. Okay, so, uh, tribeless servers. I then I was a little like, solo play said something else to me. Like one oh, yeah. person per server. <laughs> <laughs> like yes, you can do off, that like, already. It's called local play. Now he's asking for essentially tribeless official servers. You know, I think the reason they won't do this is more. Fil- uh, what's well, the saying? game's advertised as a for yeah, yeah. Tribes. It's more religious than anything else. Philosophical. It's supposed to be a tribe cooperation survival game, and I yeah. think this kind of goes counter to that. And I don't know. Maybe they should just try it out like they've done. You know, they got those experimentation I... servers, right? I, I well, that is very true, and they could certainly do that. But I don't see solo official servers really taking off at all. I see. Uh, I think we would see a huge turnover rate in the players. I said the same thing about six man servers. I think I was kind of uh, shooting no, down. No, six man servers was exactly it, it, what was needed, and it was instantly popular. Instantly yeah. popular. It's, I but think it's solo is probably much one of the different. More popular versions of the game right now i've really looked at the hard numbers so one of the reasons why people will continue to play arc for so long is because of the people they play with and when you have people you're playing with you're going to stick with something long after you've gotten tired of it but a solo yeah. player not really the there'd just be exhaustion there i guess yeah, yeah. think about how many people from you know when the tribe base when, when we lost when we lost everything we had most of us weren't really interested in starting over again a lot of us just quit the game entirely or took long breaks Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't see solos happening unless, like, like they you suggested, they do it on the test servers whenever they decide to do a new batch of test servers. I think if they, I mean, if they allowed a alliancing, it, it could there could be a niche for that, but I don't know. I think the niche was survival of the fittest. Didn't they have a single player version? They did. Yeah. So maybe single... that idea has already had its day. <laughs> you heard it here, here first, folks. But uh. Yeah, I don't see solo servers coming around, and I really doubt they're going to be very popular. Or they will be, but it'll be a flash in the pan where after a month, people playing on the solo servers are just going to get tired of it. Moving on, you whine like a... Says, hey wildcard, fix Aberration's vanishing tamed bees. Issue. On Aberration, Giant Bee does not spawn. When a player placed Beehive decays, demolished, or gets destroyed, you it is gone forever. Yeah. Resolution. Make the Giant Bee spawn when its player placed Hive gets destroyed. Why fix it? Chasing a bee around Aberration is a giant pain in the posterior. Yes, I know there's mes- methods, but not everyone cares to find them. 
Why delete our work? Okay, thanks. Yeah, so why haven't we fixed this wildcard? You implemented it when you made the stupid idea. Man, I'm going to rant, am I? Rant, so, rant, obviously, rant. this is a negative side effect of wildcard fixing another one of their big screw-ups where they allowed players to transfer non-aberration dinos over to the official aberration service for a limited time because they were stupid and didn't get their things tested properly so in order to quickly fix this problem they came up with a patch that instantly wiped any dino that was a non-aberrated dino and unfortunately this meant the giant b as well because it didn't have it doesn't have aberration in its name which is stupid. And we were relying on bees as one of our defenses for offline raiding. So imagine my annoyance when all the bees we took the time to tame got wiped because of wildcard stupidity. Wah, wah. But the fact that uh, this is still a problem just boggles my mind. Yeah, it's kind of kind of seems uh, something that, that should have been easy to figure out. They, they screwed up. Yeah. I don't know what's so hard about solving this one. Put aberration in the giant bee's name, and there you go. Wouldn't that bypass your little quick fix for an issue you guys created? If they could just flag the ones. That, uh, well, I mean, they'd have to create a whole separate entry for them, and I've I've seen the way it's structured. It would there'd be two ways of doing it. One would be well, actually, there's really only one way of doing it. You just copy paste the old one and make the amendments to all the right files. Yeah. You know, I've been pounding I mean, the table. It'd probably take one person three to four hours, because you're going to have to go over each and every file four to five times to make sure you didn't put a decimal or a slash in the wrong place. <laughs> I, I really think the core issue here is a little bigger, I th and I've been pounding the table saying this for a couple of podcasts. I, I don't know if Wildcard appreciates the order in which I think players would prioritize some of these bugs, right? Yeah. If this issue truly is something that is driving everybody crazy, it'd be if the bug list was public and voted upon... Um, I think people would advocate this would bubble up to the top of the priority list and the developers would say like, hey, everyone thinks this is a priority. We should work on this. Yeah. Like, I wish their bug tracking system was publicly accessible and people could could vote and enter bugs and just it, it would be better. Oh, they have their bug thread that they post up. I forget. Yeah, how often, but, but it does not a tracking really do system. Yeah, it's just a thread. I think that's just a throwaway PR stunt for them. <laughs> All right. A lot of cynicism uh, on this podcast. Yeah. Speaking of PR stunts, we got information of uh, enforcement action as of uh, the 24th of July, according to Wildcard. And they pat themselves on the back, writing, Since our last enforcement post in May, we have been hard at work ensuring that the code of conduct is adhered to on our official servers. We have shifted away from weekly enforcement actions in favor of on-demand enforcement. Here are some of the things we have been up to. Investigated over 1,000 reports from players. Performed 500-plus enforcement actions such as structured removals, tribe wipes, etc. Banned approximately 250 players for various breaches of the Code of Conduct. Wiped over 50 tribes from ARC. Today we will need to temporarily prevent joint access to several of our official servers as we work to enforce our Code of Conduct. We realize the effect this downtime may have on our players and sincerely apologize for any inconveniences may cause. 
Unfortunately, as we work to enforce our policies and take action against players and tribes that are not willing to follow the rules, server outages are a necessary action that must occasionally take place for the betterment of the player experience as a whole. Today's action will cons consist of the removal of structures, dinos, and items. In this instance, the violations include intent to abuse and abuse of game exploits. Continued violations of our code of conduct will result in further enforcement action. And the servers are North American Island 26, European Aberration 238, and North American Scorched Earth 421. Please ensure that when playing our game, you abide by our code of conduct. And if you would like to make a report, you can do so here. Blah, blah, blah. To be clear, cheating in ARC will not be tolerated. We do not take we do not take our responses and actions lightly and have put much thought and deliberation into how we would best enforce our policies. We will continue to diligently monitor our game for rule breakers, cheaters, and all-around bad actors, and will continue to commit resources to implement new and better solutions related to detecting and removing those who are playing unfairly. We realize that innocent players will occasionally be impacted by enforcement and of our code of conduct. Unfortunately, there is no perfect silver bullet solution as we work to improve our game in this regard. We apologize for any loss and inconvenience that this may have caused, but feel that it is a necessary side effect of enforcing our rules. We will continue to do our best to ensure that ARC remains a fair, fun, and competitive environment for all. Thank you for your continued trust, patience, and ongoing support, survivors. Man, that certainly gives some insight into the scale of the problem, though. When I read 50 tribes wiped, I'm like, wow. And that's just scratching the surface. Yeah. I, w I still wish they'd be a little bit more public on the reasons. But I understand why they're not. I always have issues with the concept of systems that knowingly target the innocent. Is it I mean, an I inconvenience to get banned? Well, uh, is it an inconvenience to ha uh, have your access to a game you paid uh, for revoked for no valid reason? I I'd, I'd say it's actually more than an inconvenience. I don't know. I'll be well, we've had this discussion many times before. I'm just I'm one of those people. I am not willing to you know accept the concept that well we're just gonna uh, we know we're gonna catch innocent people in the process, but we're okay with that. Yeah. Are there really? When it comes to mega, I'm curious. When it comes to mega mega alliances, are there really any such thing as innocent players? You kind of have to know what you're getting into, you know. I define uh, innocence as you didn't do the exact thing they're accusing you of. They might not be innocent in the general scheme of things, but if you're going to punish someone for something, you have to actually know exactly what it is you're punishing them for. Mm -hmm. You building a house in the background there? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, actually, we're, they're, we're put, my roommate is putting up a door. <laughs> All right, so Community Crunch 142 is out. Uh, 141 was out last week, but there was nothing of interest to talk about in there, so we're skipping that and going to 142. And they put out a new picture for the Mysterious Mysteries, and I still hate that. So <laughs> It looks like a, it, it, it's an owl, and I, I love owls. I was just going to say it looks like an owl to me as well, and I love owls too. So I'm trying to bring this up. Oh, there it is. Ooh. But I guess this would kind of, well, do you think it's going to be a shoulder mount? or no, I'm, this is, I think this is a shoulder mount. Oh. Yeah, because... I mean, unless it's an rg size owl. <laughs> oh, it's got those that... weird, um, like, antenna on its forehead. I'm not sure what those are about. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. Well, I think those are long feathers, right? Could this be... So... No, those are antenna. I'm going with the shoulder mount there because... If it's a of writable size, 
dead dead then that would negate our uh, assumptions about extinction being more um relying on verticality for the map and all that jazz my prediction is that this is an enemy detecting shoulder mount. I was just going to say that. Could this be like a, a flying form of the Jaboa in its it capacity? It could detect the. It could be set up to detect like the mutant creatures or whatnot, and be the warning bell. Yes, exactly. The Titans and all. Which I think would be kind of cool. Yeah, I'd be certainly be down for that. So we'll have to just wait until it comes out in Extinction, uh, which is, I forget, what was the release date for Extinction? November. November, okay. So too long. Wildcard November. Wildcard November, yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, there were a couple code of conduct changes or two revisions, and they both fell under hacking and exploiting. Uh, one, using cliff platforms to prevent tribes from building in their own bases. We uh, talked about this, I think, four or five episodes back where one person was posting a video showing that they couldn't build anything because somebody had been able to place a cliff platform above their base, preventing them to build within their own base. Yeah. How do you sense. put the... the uh... Yeah, I know, Rico. It made my head hurt, too. And then the second revision was floating structures or structures that extend past normal building limits on platform saddles or rafts for PvP purposes. A.K.A. the cockboats and the cockquetzels. Well, at least they fixed that. Mm. Well, how? No. They, they didn't fix it. They just said, these aren't allowed in the game for PvP purposes. How are they going to enforce this, especially when most of it is u- utilized in offline raiding? I mean, it was utilized in the war this weekend. Yeah, yeah good but point. still. And that was, well, like, watched by it. thousands of people. <laughs> don't stream it. <laughs> I don't think there's even a perception that that's against the rules at this point. I've not seen anyone even hesitate to do that. Well, let yeah. me let me see. You got the devils in the details. What I saw wasn't necessarily the build along tube so you can manually play C4. People are still doing the put C4 at the end of an extension and blowing it up after you put it inside. That method, you know, as opposed to just making a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, uh, I, if the mechanic, you know, you're going to get stuck in these little legal dicey. Um, arguments unless they just make it so you cannot build down off a platform yep i just find it funny that they put this in there and actually things are going to try and enforce another <laughs> another rule that they've decided to use as a stopgap for people using this mechanic to blow through a base so i guess their enforcement team has more to look forward to <laughs> all right um this is going to be the community live stream this thursday uh, showing off mods, uh, showing off community creations, and then we've got an Arc Evolution event this weekend, Friday the third, starting at Friday on Friday the third, and that is it for the community crunch. So let's move on to patch notes. We're currently at two eighty one point one one zero, and the first thing they did was remove the ability to join a tribe as a tribe leader. You can only merge. Hey, finally. How about that? They listened to the podcast. <laughs> Took them long enough. <laughs> All right. Um, this uh, led to Air 401 writing, I know I've been trash-talking you devs for quite a while now, but removed ability to join a tribe as a tribe leader, you can only merge. Thank you for listening. This was brought up a few weeks ago by a player here on Reddit. This doesn't mean you are off the hook in my personal quest to have you fix your game, but I can at least say thank you in this instance. And while guards, Chris said, thanks, we're listening and working on the issues, even if we can't resolve them all immediately. 
And by immediately, he 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 means most of them ever. That was a. I mean, <laughs> this is such an annoying. It's not necessarily a bug, but an annoying uh, logical fallacy in the way the mechanic worked. That I'm mm -hmm. really happy they fixed it. Finally, yeah. Yeah, this uh, this is one of those. Uh, I mean, it, it's a quality of life issue, but it's a big one. Yeah. It probably was also bogging down their uh, customer support, to be honest. I probably more likely surprised. why they got around to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they also fixed a text sword exploit. If I'm recalling correctly, there was a an exploit using a text sword to make your character fly in the game. Awesome. <laughs> I okay, forget how I, they I, I, what I think it is, I'm betting it's more like how with the sword in Halo, the elite sword in Halo, you could fly. If you just point the sword in the air and a beam comes off it and you go flying. <laughs> no, uh, you got to lock because the the lunge attack revolves around locking on an enemy. If you lock onto them at the right time and engage, they might have gotten pretty far away before you actually hit them, and you might fly during that time. And if you're really lucky, the game might not realize you're far away and let you lock onto someone that is not in range and yay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's what the sword exploit was, but I could be wrong. I'm not exactly sure. So, somebody feel free to correct me in the chat, uh, in the comments, if I am wrong. And then they fixed a rendering exploit as well, and I'm wondering what that was. Could it be their daydon exploit, where uh, you know, if your hell pig is um, starting to starve to death, and you throw a ton of meat on him, you now you got to wait for him to either eat it, or you got to hold down the E button and spam that, or you can fill it up with meat, leave it off in the distance, go out of rendering distance, come back, and it instantly eats all the food in its inventory and is full again. So I'm wondering if that's the exploit or if it's something completely different. But Wildcard never, ever tells us these things, so we can only wonder that or uh, ask the community. So if you guys have been using this exploit and no longer can use it, let us know. Indeed. <laughs> Well, it is now time for the archaeologists to offer you our final thoughts as we ride off on our Rexes into the Sunset Down Arc Avenue. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, episode 100 will be our final episode for now. We are, at the very least, going on a hiatus, mostly because, well, don't have a lot of time to dedicate to the podcast anymore. And, and just the fact that there isn't really much, that much to talk about. We we spent half our time rehashing old issues. <laughs> well, the game, it's not like the early days of the game is changing every week. I think we're at a point where the meta is relatively stable. Um, there's no major changes coming until the DLC comes out. So, um, yeah, it might be a good time to take a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I, I know at the very least we will show back up for at least a week or two in a bit. <laughs> yeah. I oh, mean, come on. Something... We, we, we got to go over the last, we got to cover the last of uh, the last DLC. We, there, there's no option. We'll, yeah, we'll see. I can't, I can't make any commitment like that right now. I've, Commit. You know, I've got a job. It's taking up a lot of my time. And what time I have left over, I can't dedicate to this. You know, if it's one thing if I, if it, this was paying for itself, but it's not. And you're not we've getting been the paycheck this off of this? Like I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, you're getting the paycheck. I'm not. I don't know how that works, but that's how it works. I was going to say, I mean, if anybody bothered to listen to it, I, I've, I've said something political once, so we're definitely demonetized given those politics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So 
what do you think of the game in its current state? I think we've talked, this will be the third or fourth time we've answered this question throughout our time of almost two years of podcasting on this particular game. If the game in its current state was what the game was when it was in beta, at least the late stages of beta, I think there'd be a lot less of the finished game meme. You know, I, I think it is a lot more polished. I'll give them credit where credit's due, but there's still some game-breaking stuff that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And Rika? Well, I mean, I always had the uh, thing of the game has not been the game I bought for a very long time. It's mm-hmm. not even... Rem- I mean, the... the it it, uh, it was it never ended up becoming what uh, it was originally uh, sort of like I said I have this one article that was what convinced me to buy the game and uh, you know I, I can accept that the game never took the form that the, that sold me on it but it, it was usually you get close enough it really became close enough for me and after going cro- after the cross server transfers came in at that point I was more there for the I was more here for the people and occasionally playing with dinosaurs because I'm a nerd. (laughs) Hey, you know, there's always that. So the game uh, lost me along the way when the dynamic changed so drastically that it went from, because back in the old days, every little pond, yeah, if you wanted to go and invade somewhere else, you could. We occasionally had people come over and threaten us because somebody from our server, this was before transfers, but doing that took effort. Going over and starting to fight somewhere else, there was nothing in it but to challenge your team. I could at least respect mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I think it certainly improved over what it used to be, but, you know, too many underlying issues, but... Oh, yeah, my... in terms of just the gameplay of it, though, I mean, yeah. even if the shape didn't take something I was entirely fond of, the improvements they made I've been very impressed with. It's just, their priorities have never been right, and I mm-hmm. don't think they ever will be. So, would you pay $60 for Ark Survival Evolved? Hands down. Not even a hesitation. As a value, as a cost-value proposition, I think this is un- unbeatable. 60 yeah. bucks with the DLC or without? Uh, the base game. I would not. I'd pay 40 mm-hmm. I might pay 50 If enough, because, uh, you know, especially if I knew how many friends I was going to make along the way. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sixties seems a bit uh, rich for this game. Well, uh, I am. I'm saying that with the benefit of hindsight, right? I know what kind of hours I put into the game, and I know how many, how much enjoyment I got out of it. If I was just looking at it from the outside, looking in, I think I'd still do it though, because it's so, it's a dino game. <laughs> so building. if you're looking from the ins- from the outside looking in, you know, a lot of people look at reviews, and I think the review aggregate score for this is around six out of ten for the game. I and think that's too low. I really do. I, think it should be I actually seven, think that's a perfect score for this game still. For me, that is uh, that that level is what I call the I will buy it for on a 60% off no uh, yeah. no more. I think most people who play this game wouldn't go ham like we have. I think they'd probably play it for a couple of 100 hours. Mm-hmm. And I think for a couple hundred hours of gameplay, this is worth it. See, I would buy it for $15 hands down, but more than that, I I'd have to think about it. And I'm putting that up against, uh, you know, if we're just kind of arguing about the cost, I'm putting that up against single-player games that people might mm-hmm. buy yeah. for 60 bucks these days, you know. And they'll, they'll only get, like, maybe 10 or 20 hours out of it. Uh, see, I there are very few games I, I buy at full price that I either... Uh, I mean, I have to really be excited for the game. And I've been burned on the last dozen or so of those, so... 
Well, I'd also add that there's really no reason to pay $60 for it because it's on sale all the time. Yeah, yep. I mean, for me, like 60 for the for, you know, the game of the year edition, quote unquote. OK, yeah. Even with the crap, the relative, the relatively low, because, I, you know, I consider a 60 percent a failing grade. Yep. So given what you've just got, you guys just said, would you recommend this game to someone else at the $60 price range? Or would you tell them to maybe hold off if you decide to recommend it to them for a lower price? I, I would definitely have to recommend they just put a watch on it on Steam and wait for it to go on sale. I mean, at most, they're going to be waiting a month. Mm -hmm. I definitely recommend it, but I probably would put the caveat on it that say that if you're going to play it, make sure you play with friends. Yeah. And, and I, I would probably, and I hope I'm not stepping on your toes of where you're going with this, but I, I would probably expand the, the meaning of state of the game to also include state of the community and um, state of the player base. Ninety percent of the players will hate you and be. That's, that's the state of the thing, and it doesn't matter who you are or what kind of person you are. Ninety percent of them will align as antagonistic towards you. Yeah, I was okay, not maybe even seventy percent antagonistic, twenty percent neutral. But you're not gonna, you're never gonna have a lot of friends in the game. The well, ones they, you make, though, you usually will keep for a while. And, and also, you know, this kind of happens, I think, with a lot of games that have been out for a few years, like Ark. The community is kind of gotten increasingly um unsatisfied right and that's no secret they're constantly criticizing the developers because i think the state of the game also concludes the state of the development community um, yeah and i tell you that's probably my biggest disappointment with my experience with arc is I, I think arc is a game where a small time inexperienced developer got a big hit on their hands and i was a little disappointed in the fact that i don't think the development team has quite grown to accommodate the size of the success of their game you know i don't i still don't know they, they still don't feel like as mature of a development team as i've had interactions with on other games and i feel kind of bad saying that because you know i'm such a shill for wild card but i think we're at a point now where they, they should and there has been some growth there has been some improvement but just not at the level their decision making skills have not changed one whit yeah and they're, they're and that's PR... always been my biggest complaint about them is they their ability to make decisions on how, on what's a good PR campaign, what's a what's a good focus for our net uh, for uh, for our bug fixes. How should we handle uh, you know our, our banhammer uh, use? They dealing, never deploy it in a good way. They're dealing with a very entitled player base because these people have thousands of hours in the game. And see, it, I don't know about entitled. I would say, well, they're emotionally invested. Well, okay, yeah. entitled is in the actual definition or in the negative connotation people usually use it in? Uh, I, I would say, I, I prefer what I just said as a twist on that. Emotionally invested, they care about this game because they put a lot of hours into it. And they are very sensitive to changes, good or bad, that, that Wildcard makes. So Wildcard's got to do a really good job of managing that and defending their decisions. And I just don't think they're quite there yet. Yeah, the problem is they uh, make bad decisions and then they defend them. When they make a good decision, half the time they back off on it. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times they're making these decisions based on things we can't see. And I don't and think they're talking about something I personally well, like complain about. I'm just talking about in general their decision making skills, like uh, just their their method of, of well, like I said, the focus on what do we fix now, what's our uh, what's our policy. When, when parts of your play, well, you know, your player behavior policy are literally unenforceable. And That's I think just what, bad decision making. One of the reasons I tend to temper my criticism of Wildcard is because I'm in software development, so I, I know how tricky it can be, and I couldn't imagine 
developing a product with the number of users that this product has. I, I could see that being a massive headache, but I'm basically comparing them to other developers that are kind of in the same boat. Like, there's some developers that the dev team is absolutely loved by the community, and I don't quite know what the secret sauce is for that. I don't know if it's just the kind of game that and what players you can pull attracts. Robert Space Industry and be a genius that never gives them anything. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and they're loved. They're worshipped like gods. You know, I don't. As far as I know, I mean, I don't spend that much time in the community of Star Citizen. But okay, let's put this way: I understand what those what those players are are in uh, are in for. I'm just I'm way too cynical. David promised the thing that players like me have wanted for, for since the first time, time we booted up Wing Commander. Mm-hmm. But, but my point and to is see they... someone trying to make it, it's like, we want this, but you're promising too much. You're never going to deliver all of that. It's impossible. And because Roberts is a insane perfectionist, now that's one thing I will give to Ark. They might promise us the moon, but sooner or later they stop trying because they know it's not going to happen. They'll deliver then an they make the horrible decisions about how to, <laughs> uh, how to go about get, uh, you know, giving out the Mia Culpas for promising the moon and realizing they can't and deliver. And giving us a meteorite. But, but isn't that an interesting juxtaposition that, you know, you have ARC where people do the $60 game meme, like, ah, it's not complete, it's not worth 60 bucks. But then you have uh, Sp- uh, Star Citizen where people are literally paying hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars for spaceships for a game that is super unfinished and super raw. That's been out for years. If that game were ever, you know, it, uh, to be honest, if I actually thought that game was going to come out and I had the money, I'd be willing to put in a lot of money because I know mm-hmm. I'd be getting 10,000 plus hours out of the game. I but, got my but here's 15 the thing. bucks in. I, I think we, we also have to look in terms of demographics between the two types of games. With uh, Space Industries and Star Citizen, there's an older gaming group there that's oh, funding it. That's an interesting, yeah. That's how I look yeah, at it. Yeah, there is that. The people nostalgic for the old stars. Uh, exactly. You know, two different Old nerds that don't have kids to waste their money on. They have a lot yeah. of it. Though in Ark, I know that's across... insulting, but uh, too bad. <laughs> Though in Ark, we do run across a fair number of older gamers as well, but mostly younger gamers, too. I'd be very I, interested you know, to see the, the older, pl- older gamers I played with on this, not a lot of them have much. Uh, are exactly... Uh, most of them are the kind of guys that get off of uh, get off of a blue collar job and play a video game where they do the exact same thing. They yeah. go from manual labor to <laughs> manual labor. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on because I wanted to ask you guys, what is your favorite aspect of the game? Oh, I well, there's probably two things I would need to mention there. Um, my favorite aspect, just kind of taking a really broad brush is the sense of tribalism and community and the people I've met and interacted with and the adventures we've gone on together. Um, if I'm going to be a little bit more specific to the actual game, I'd say, and this is going to be a controversial uh, thing to say, uh, the building system. Not so much that mm-hmm. it's a great building system, but just the fact that you can build your little base and defenses in a game in a semi-sandboxed environment. Yeah, I, I love that. That's the part of the game I love the most. I love hunting for dinosaurs of cool colors. <laughs> I, you know, just the, 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 that, that, and even the time it took and then the payout when, when you manage to luck out and get a really amazing stat in something, it's, it was just always what I loved doing. I loved looking, you know, looking for something and hunting, uh, hunting it down. Back in the day when I wasn't, if I wasn't out hunting dinosaurs for me, you know, I'd know that some other tribe, uh, one of our allied tribes, someone was looking for X species and I'd be out, look, uh, I out for that. 
I loved yep. going out hunting. It was just my thing. And then, especially on Scorched Earth after it came out, the survive where the survival aspect was a thing. Where it wasn't just, you know, on, on the island, survival is run away from the things that will knock you out in one hit. That That's survival on the island. Mm-hmm. On some of the other maps, survival, like, there's a terror aspect in, in Aberration with the survival mechanic. You've got to hide from the things that are going to murder you because that's the nature of the map, not just, you know, they added a, a dinosaur that's specifically meant to troll people that are on foot. We know what I'm talking about. Everyone knows which dinosaur I'm talking about. The turtle, right? But we just didn't have, uh, you know, we, and even just walking through the same areas that I'd been a hundred times, even on certain places of the island, being on foot was just, there's an exploration aspect, even when you've seen it a hundred times, just coming over that ridge and this new herd being there in a different way. Oh, the I early game that. is unbeatable. Oh yeah, the, the, early the sense game, of accomplishment and exploration. When, yeah, that's but a even thing. in the late game, sometimes you'll come across a land. You'll you'll walk over, you know, a hill, and there'll be something that you hadn't seen before, or some grouping that just strikes you as unique, and it's still, yeah, it, it it it's the thing that keeps you coming back every now and again. So I mean, that's kind of interesting. We've we've mentioned building, we've mentioned riding dinosaurs, we've mentioned exploration. Those are like the things on the box. So, yeah, I was going to say, here's my answer. So you guys mentioned all those things, but it all coalesces into PvP, and that was my favorite aspect of the game. You know, the exploration, the dinos, you know, taming the dinos, surviving, PvP was where it all coalesced into that final moment of it all it coming together. It what kind of PvP, because there are certain types of PvP that I absolutely loved, yes. where, like, um... The skirt, uh, you know, skirmishing off against, uh, against a raider force while we're waiting, while we're ra waiting for the allies to muster up the attack force or something. But you know, I hate the siege battles because they're so laggy, bad. I enjoyed the siege battles, but the problem was that the coding for the game, the internet infrastructure, just isn't there to properly make them what they should be. Yeah, watching Twitch is kind of frustrating because you can see the lag when you're playing or yeah. watching them play. Well, there's no. Well, if the thing is in the siege battles, there is no tactics to that. There's knowing the meta and employing it. That's it. And I don't see. Uh, I, I would disagree because there can be tactics, and we've certainly proven that with some of our fights. Yeah, but as all, well. all of our fights when we're doing it, we're usually small-scale skirmishes. And when, I was when just we were deploying say, the advanced tactics. for us as Frozen Throne, when we, you know, ruled as Alpha on OS8 back in the day, on the Legacy days, you know, we were really lucky that we didn't have to really get involved with the Mega Alliance BS fights. It's you know. gate frame battles at that level. Yeah. We, yeah, we had Alliance smaller skirmishes, are... smaller battles, and then smaller, you know, server-scale wars, which were fun. Exactly. Enjoyable. That was what I enjoyed. So to, to try to link what well, I, I actually about... enjoyed the I actually enjoyed the politics leading up to the war and oh, oddly that's a good enough, point. I should have mentioned ever, that, I uh, I, the <laughs> thing is like negotiating uh, the sur uh, the surrender uh, for the groups that we were occasionally letting part of them stay. Mm -hmm. I mean, Dan threw me uh, Denise threw me into the uh, the deep end more than once and, uh, uh, in the early days of being the one to deliver terms. Yep. And uh, at first it was like, I hate this. You just sent the autistic dude into a, a room full of angry people. What the hell are you thinking? <laughs> I think new players always underestimate the level to which politics are an important aspect of the game. Yeah. But I, I did want to add to try to link what you liked about the game, what I liked the uh, about the game, Sean, was as far as PvP is concerned, I used to love 
building and then watching how your design yes. handles being attacked and and try to engineer solutions to the way you see things being attacked. Exactly. The only part of that ever I got into was uh, designing the war quetzals. Still have the best design. <laughs> I, 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 made, I made the design that killed our st uh, that managed to actually kill our go-to design that we'd used for months and months, and then they took it away from me. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the PvP was the favorite aspect of mine because, it, but just put all that together, including politics, because you know I love being able to fight against smaller tribes as, as, well, as a solo player for so long on OSA before joining you guys. You know, I had so much fun helping out my neighbors against raiders, fighting off raiders because I was the only guy in the area that was willing to fight them. Then build up pol political structures, alliances, allies. It was just so much fun. And then being able to bluff to uh, to pretend that I wasn't a solo player. That was even yeah. more fun. I used fun to do it. that all the time. I would leak messages <laughs> in global and things insinuate I had more people than I did. <laughs> all yeah, right, I always well, had the downside. By the time I got involved and in, uh, started getting really involved in the politics, I was in the position of power where in order to keep our you know my ability to actually negotiate – I basically had to be honest most 90% of the time. Yeah. All right. So what is your least favorite aspect of the game? The build system. Yeah. Offline Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I, know I just contradicted myself, but th th there was, there was a lot of things in the build system that could have been corrected. I think that they're just never addressed. Um, and that was always kind of frustrating to me. There's always designs I had in my head that, I couldn't implement because of the mechanics of the build system and the limitations mm -hmm. that it had. Yeah, and then and they could have done more. Uh, they yeah, could have released more materials. I, I still say, I mentioned it maybe 50 podcasts ago that I almost would have preferred a system kind of like Rust, where you could upgrade structures you placed. Mm-hmm. Because replacing them one at a time is so laborious the way they do it in this game. Yeah, and so frustrating because you know. When you're, the placement system will get a little wonky at times and not put it where you want it when you're showing that that's where it was supposed to go. I'm sure most of my 4,000 hours are based on me just trying to place pillars that wouldn't go. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Ugh, I pillars. <laughs> All right, Rico, what was your, what's your least favorite aspect of the game? I hate that, like, you know, a good 70% of rating is offline rating. Mm-hmm. It's... You know, that was that always got us the saltiest. Like, I mean, I was there watching us fall. And you know what? I congratulated a few of the other guys on the other side after all was said and done, after a day or two. I was off the time. I had to cool, uh, cool down. That's normal. Mm -hmm. But, you know, of course, I also got to mock some of them because they had to bring in the only person uh, from a war we shouldn't have won. <laughs> But I think your point I is. Knew, just... I always knew multitasker was going to be the end of me. I always knew it. Yeah. It's no fun logging in seeing your base gone. No. And the fact, that, no fun, it's... the fact that Wildcard continued to make it more easier for offline writers to get away with it is something that really irks, irks me to this day. And I, I don't think we have the perfect solution. I know we've suggested a bunch over the weeks. Um, I still think that. I don't like off offline raid protection, but I still think you should get no. some kind of buff. But at the very least, they need to strip away anonymity in this game. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, maybe that's that not... would be the best thing Wildcard can do right now. The one problem really with change. the uh, getting rid of the anonymity, when you know that there's going to be retaliation, it encourages total wipe. Mm -hmm. 
you can go limited warfare if there's secrecy. Yeah, I've recently uh, started playing some other games again, and uh, I, my my name is all screwed up because I still got that one, two, three thing. Yeah. Going. <laughs> <laughs> one, how do you tell if someone's an ARC player or a regular player? What's their Steam name? I usually apologize. Like, sorry, I play ARC. I know my <laughs> name's weird. <laughs> all right. Um, one thing you could change to make the game better. Oh, that's an interesting one. I, I think this is a broad statement and not easily changeable, but I really think they got to make it so that big fights are less laggy. Mm-hmm. And that's not like a simple little, hey, fix this and it'd be a piece of cake. But You think it's more to do with uh, their hardware, their infra- internet infrastructure, both? Yeah, it's across the board. Because um, I'll... A lot of things that I would have said as an answer to this question, they've done, to be fair. Um, like making imprinting not every four hours. Mm-hmm. A lot of those big time sinks need to be vastly shortened. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to say player speed. Time to cap it. You want to make this game challenging again? Cap the player speed. So that they can't oh, yeah, unru- that so that they cannot outrun, outrun the larger dinos, at the very least. Yeah. I think that that actually helped the lag. Nothing gets your heart pounded more when you know you cannot outrun a T-Rex bearing down on you. True. I mean, I, I also, just in the big fights, just seeing a thousand people running around at 3,000 speed is Yeah, it's, it's stupid. And it would force people to get better at the game and get some real skill. Or maybe want mounts more to get around. Mm-hmm, yeah. All right, uh, one thing you would remove from the game and why? Ooh. Remove from the game. Yep, that's a tough one. Uh, okay. I, I've kind of already mentioned it. Um, the ability to build beneath a platform saddle. Oh. Uh, because the meta that surrounds that with blowing things up with that kind of saddle design. So just the saddle and not the raft? Mm, the Well, hmm. No, let's say the raft, too. Because a lot you, of the builds you gotta remember rafts, they did, did, did do that with the raft. And people got real salty. Yeah. Well, because you, you leave your raft really vulnerable from underneath, but the current raft designs that you're building under the raft are really glitchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think if for the rafts, if they came up with a, a way for people to place turrets underneath the raft to protect it, then we wouldn't see so many uh, designs trying to uh, manipulate the current build system to build in ways that you shouldn't be able to when it comes to raft building. You know, as weird as it's going to sound, the one thing I'd remove is actually loot BPs. Really? Really? Uh, you know, they, they're they on the right track with a proper crafting system. If, basically, your gear was reliant on a crafting system, but to really make this work, you'd also have to basically eliminate the ability to have a, a dedicated crafting character or just, you know, sitting around somewhere. It'd have to be someone willing to dedicate their character to being the Forge Master. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. I did not expect that. Neither did I. I I've been sitting here absolutely silent thinking, what's the one thing that would massively change it? Because, like, the disparity in gear in some in a lot of raids can entirely shift things to one, uh, one side or the other. And 
you know, maybe the other guy was just inept, or maybe you had a 250% long neck and they were wearing primitive cloth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you were just working around base weapons or weapons that could only go up so much because somebody in the tribe had to dedicate either a lot of their character or all of their character to being the crafter, and that one guy basically had to enjoy the one thing he was doing. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I would remove from the game, and I haven't been able to come up with anything. I'd, uh, you know what? I'd say remove the Giga. You know, get rid of the Giga. Let's get rid of it, or at least make it so you can't tame them, and they can only. You just want the Rex wild. to be the king again. Yep, I do. Long live the Rex. <laughs> okay, how about this? One thing I would remove from the game for sure: Jerboas. Uh, oh, Let that would change the Die. They need to be leveled. That's a thing that they need. Yeah, they're still level one tames. I it still doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, but a high level one might actually have use as a backpack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I did just think of one other thing, and I guess this isn't so much. I'm going to spin this like it's a remove, but really, it's it should have been for the ad question. Um, removing the need for the join sim meta, and I think that really means mm. add a queue system. Can you say that the join sim meta is the epitome of what is wrong with this game yeah everything having to do with cross art transfers needs a massive overhaul yeah because right now the ability to port in an army in a few seconds really there's this, uh there's this browser-based game i played way back i think i've said this in one podcast it was forever ago though if when you were sending assets over there it was going to take an amount of time based on the assets you were sending and basically every tribe had a pool of assets that were being directed at a server. So yeah. every time someone tried to add something to it, it would reset the counter, and you would have to wait X amount of time before it would be able to arrive there. It would require tactical planning and strategic actual strategy to launch an assault on another uh, on another server. And you'd have to put in... Uh, you should get, uh, and the bigger it's coming in, the earlier the other side should get some kind of warning that this massive transfer is coming towards them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, right now... Like, a big determining factor in who's going to win a major battle is when the server resets, how many players does each side have mashed yeah. the join button? And it's, you know, that's got to be bogging the server down to some degree, too. Of course, when you've got hundreds of people trying to join the server. Yeah. But for those who don't aren't aware Yeah, maybe we're getting a little too into so, baseball with that term. Right now, just like in Legacy Days, it finally boiled down to there being really just two mega alliances. And even then, large alliances and mega tribes what will they'll do is they'll try to slot cap a server and then if they can't they have dozens if not hundreds of players constantly spamming the server to try and get in there so they can outnumber their opponents and wipe them the minute and, one of their opponents disconnects one of their guys joins yep and it's just one of the worst wastes of time ever and it's like no i did not buy this game to sit in a join sim for hours just to get into the server and hope that it doesn't crash and I can get a couple minutes of PvP in. No. That is not what I came here to play this game for. And the I fact... Tell you, <sighs> it, it, it's so... I, this is one thing that drives me crazy about this. So I watch a lot of Twitch, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know how these streamers do it. They've got to be using some kind of trick because I'll watch one of them get DC'd and I'll walk away from the stream and come back a few minutes later and they're back in. 
you know, meanwhile, <laughs> I'm hammering a server for like hours and not having any luck. No, I've seen a lot of the streamers take you know take a while to get back into the stream and Lucas whitelisted just saying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's nope, no, thank you. Join sim is not for me, and I got better things to do with my time than spending join sim. I don't have enough time to play Joint Sim. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anything else you want to talk about before we write off? Amazing game. Buy it. <laughs> For all of its issues, you know, I, I have put in, granted, nowhere near as much time, but just in single player, I put in enough time that if this game had any kind of NPC interaction whatsoever, it would definitely be a $60 buy for me. If there was an actual NPC antagonist system, I would recommend this game for its single player uh, uh, value alone. Even if it wasn't very complex. Yeah. So I haven't been playing for the past couple weeks because, once again, real life. But uh, my total hours on my main account is 7,957 hours, and I think that's more than enough for this game. I think more than enough. Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> I know that. Uh, I know that. Uh, I know that. There's one. La I gotta check out Extinction when it comes out, but unless the game manages to fully, I mean, unless it changes the game so much, you know, it's mm -hmm. only so much more time that this game's really gonna be able to get my uh, hold my attention. Yeah. But I already paid for the expansion, so I'm gonna use it. <laughs> That's a good and fair point. And once maybe again... uh, probably enough to get me to 5k hours, and that'll be good. Yeah, but once again, you know, at the very least, this is going to be a very long hiatus, if not permanent. But we thank you guys for listening to us. Rico, Leg Day, I just want to thank you because without you guys being permanent co-hosts on the show, there really wouldn't be a show. That's It was fun. Really enjoyed yeah, talking yeah, about I mean, this game. 98 of 100 episodes for me, so. <laughs> so with that, it is time to close out episode 100 of the Archaeologist Podcast. As always, I would like to thank Leg Day and Rico for being permanent co-hosts on this show. And thank you guys for listening to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean. To those of you who have been with us since we started this podcast back in August of 2016, a special thank you as well, especially those of you who promoted this podcast to their friends and fellow survivors. And with that, goodbye. If not for our text wall, guys, I don't know what we would have talked about for at least a do uh, two dozen of the podcasts. So, yeah, I, I mean, just uh, uh, Vanders, who eventually has been an occasional co-host, uh, Next Generation Gaming, and a few of the other big names that are constantly in the, the thing. You you guys are at least, you know, a good quarter of e each podcast, so fun taking the ride with y'all. Hopefully, <laughs> it won't be, uh, hopefully we'll at least have uh, one little reunion tour in a few weeks. <laughs> like Day, what's your final? No, it's just final been a lot of fun, like I said. Uh, I really enjoyed talking about this, this game, and if we come back for some random discussion on some big thing that happens in ARC between now and the end of our hiatus, if there's an end, um, I'll be there. Well, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye, and stay alive, survivors. See y'all in extinction. Later. Are we ready? Ready, ready. As long as it doesn't involve starting arc. <laughs> Hello, ladies. You're not ready. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to episode... Okay. Who's clicking? Who's typing just now? 
I wasn't typing. Wasn't me. I have first to talk. You sure you weren't typing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I wasn't typing. Don't try that with me. Is my push to talk working? I hear. Clicking. Yeah, it's blinking. It's what you hear clicking when I do that. Yep. Yep. Oh, you know what? Huh? You mother fracker. <laughs> you just tried to derail you. it all. So that's that's interesting. That's my mouse. Your mouse. I guess I'm overclicking the push to talk button. Sorry. <laughs> all right, here we go again. All right, so 